Hi, it's Casey. Today we shine on with inspiring tales from women who are doing the big and the brave and the beautiful. Things that create a bridge to a new place. Everyone has an ocean to cross. And if you have Netflix, catch the documentary, Losing Sight of Shore, directed by Sarah Moshman. Sarah is finally exhaling after taking a chance on a group of women who, each for their own reasons, felt the need to cross the Pacific in a 29-foot pink boat named Doris. Waves and whales and sharks and perseverance. Sarah, this is your baby. Tell the story. Yeah, so um, you said it. There's a team of women. They're called the Coxless Crew, and they rowed a 29-foot pink ocean rowing boat um, across the entire Pacific Ocean from America to Australia. Um, They rowed 24 hours a day, two hours on, two hours off. They had no support boat, no follow boat. I wasn't there on the boat. (laughs) They were completely alone. Um, And I'm the director, producer of the film, and it's been an adventure putting it together over the last two and a half years. Okay, so if you weren't there, how did you make this film? I was introduced to the Coxless crew about two and a half months before they left, so it all happened really fast. I'm not a rower, not an athlete, so I was thrilled to find out that I couldn't go with them. However, um, I wanted them to tell their own story, so I bought them cameras and I taught them how to use the cameras. Um, And I gave them hard drives and microphones so they could be fully self-sufficient out there in the ocean. And then what I did is I met them along the way. It was a three-stage journey from San Francisco to Hawaii, Hawaii to Samoa, Samoa to Australia. Um, And I was there every time on land when they would stop for about a week or 10 days at a time to restock their boat. And I would collect the footage they had shot. I would supply them with new equipment and interview them about the journey they had just gone on. So it was a combination of land and sea footage to put the whole thing together. 8,000 miles, four women, one pink boat, world's records. You get to help them tell their story. Why did they do this? Yeah, they wanted to challenge themselves. They wanted to see if it was possible. You know, they they set two world records um, in doing this journey, um, and no one had ever, a team of four had never rode across the Pacific before, especially in this what they call a continuous three-stage row where they didn't stop on land for a long period of time. It was literally just a week. So this had never been done before. Also, they were raising money for breast cancer care as well as a UK-based charity called Walking with the Wounded, which helps injured service women. So they, there was a charitable aspect, but truly the, the motivations were more internal and each one of them had a different kind of angle on it and reason why they needed this journey at this point in their lives. And it's important to note that they weren't professional athletes. They have not been rowing their entire lives. This was a challenge they all saw as something they wanted to try and they trained, but they are in no way, you know, professional athletes, which is why I really loved the story to begin with. 29 feet is not a lot of feet when we're talking boat here. And there's four women on there who need to do things like, you know, go to the ladies' room and things like this. (laughs) How did they live? As you'll see in the film, the boat's called Doris and it has two cabins. So the way it works is only two would be rowing at a time, and the other two would be in the cabins um, doing boat maintenance or writing their blog or filming for the movie um, or sleeping, most importantly. So they were worked in two-hour shifts. Um, they never missed a shift. There was no, like, I'm feeling hungover or tired and I can't make it this morning. They never let each other down. They were an incredible team, and the film, as a result, is, is really a story about friendship and perseverance. Um, and the power of the human spirit. But logistically, (laughs) the way they went to the bathroom, for example, is they had a bucket on the boat, very unglamorous, just bucket and check it. They all shared the same bucket. Oh, my heavens. Um, So it was... uh, (laughs) 
they were constantly salty with the ocean water. They were incredibly hot at most of the time, especially on the second leg and beyond of the journey. It was 99 degrees Fahrenheit even inside the cabin. There was no escape, no solace, nothing cold. So you can imagine this is really hell for yeah, a nightmare hell. for most people. Um, and, 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 and how did they feed themselves? So, so how many, what's the yeah. longest stretch that they were out on the water? Like days? Yeah, um, the second leg of the journey was supposed to take about 60 days from Hawaii to Samoa, and it ended up taking 97 days. Wait a minute. They were in that boat for 97 days? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the journey in total is nine months with only really a week in between each leg. So this is a pretty insane amount of time to spend on that boat, 257 days at sea. And the longest stretch was 97 days at a time. And remember, they're not even standing up straight. There's no impact on the boat. You know, you're constantly kind of finding that balance. But in terms of food, they had all the food they were going to eat on the boat each leg. They had expedition food, freeze-dried ration packs. So, like, powdered form of beef curry or shepherd's pie and they would heat it up with a jet boil they would make their own water on the boat and eat what essentially was baby food you know like mush um pretty gross but oh. they also had uh, snack packs with, with some chocolate and some more treat type yeah. things but those ran out pretty quickly i can't go three days without fresh oregano so please <laughs> right i mean I, it's very very i can't wait to meet these women i'm gonna watch the movie on netflix right Yes, yes, please do. Now, let me ask you a, a, a logistical question about the filmmaking. Okay, you mm-hmm. sent them with the cameras, but you dedicated how much time, like a year of your life to this event too, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, this has been the last two and a half years of my life. Um, the filming was nine months, and I never, even though I wasn't on the boat, I still had quite an adventure on land, you know, seeing where they were, trying to plan the next shoot. You know, I wasn't booking a plane ticket to Samoa, which, by the way, is in the middle of absolutely nowhere, in the mm-hmm. middle of the Pacific, uh, like until two days before they were going to be there. I mean, it was just crazy. My mm-hmm. whole life was uprooted, you know, waiting to see where that little pink dot on the GPS tracker would be. So it was it was crazy, but but a risk worth taking because this story is so extraordinary and I really wanted to help them tell it. So here's the question I want to ask, and forgive me if it's not delicate. So you give up like, you know, two, over two years of your life and nine months of filming. How do you get paid? Yeah, so the way I funded the film was I invested a lot of my own money, which is very scary. You know, when they rode away from San Francisco in April 2015, they pretty much rode away with my life savings, and I didn't know if I'd have a story on the other end. But something was speaking to me and told me, you know, to to keep going. I had this sort of gut reaction to them, even though I don't know anything about rowing. This film was never about that to me. I also brought on investors. Audra and Courtney Smith are incredible people that believed in me from the start. They're my executive producers. I was awarded four different grants for the project. I applied endlessly to grants. Um, I did a little bit of what I call casual crowdfunding. I didn't have a formal campaign, but I did accept, you know, private donations. So all of the ways, it was incredibly difficult to raise the money. And fortunately, we made this incredible deal with Netflix. And so I'll be able to be paid back as well as my investors and finally get a salary from from our Netflix deal, which is really wonderful. And and that's just the beginning. We're, We're creating revenue in other ways from iTunes and Amazon and um, in-person events, so it's really exciting. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, so did you have the Netflix deal when they shoved off? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> the um, Netflix deal didn't come till the film was done, so it was a very scary, um, risky process. You just never know if you're making anything that's any good, and, and then suddenly this big piece of the perfect news. I mean, Netflix has always been my number one choice for this film. In fact, I wrote it down as my goal, you know, from the start. So I'm, I'm so grateful that they saw the potential in this film, and it's really a universal message. The tagline is, everyone has a Pacific to cross. 
So yes. I think that yes. anyone in the world can yes. can get something from this movie. And so uh, it's in 190 countries. It's subtitled in 25 languages. And we're also doing a, a world tour with the film. So I'm in New York now, headed to Bentonville, Arkansas for a film festival. Then we're off to England and then South Africa. So if you happen to be in any of those countries, you can go to <laughs> LosingSightOfShore.com and you can join us and see it on the big screen. Fabulous. LosingSightOfShore.com. We are on our way there. Sarah, what'd you get? where'd you get your first Emmy? Um, I made a short documentary prior to, this is my second feature, Losing Sight of Shore. I made a short documentary and we won a Chicago Midwest Emmy Award. And I'm so grateful. I, I hope to have a long career film. Yeah, well, you're off to a great start and I want to know where you take your vision board classes because I think they're paying <laughs> off. Right? <laughs> and where can we go for more information about you? Um, I'm on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Sarah Moshman S-A-R-A-H-M-O-S-H-M-A-N and also on Twitter at Sarah Mosh. Losing Sight of Shore. Find the documentary on Netflix. Hi, it's Casey. Would you like to go on a one-day adventure to find your inner spark? Would you like to be sure of what you should do next? Would you like to make the best plan for the rest of your life? Join me June 11th for a one-day retreat high on a hill in Cold Spring overlooking the Hudson with life coach Mary Ellen O'Brien. It changes everything, and so what I'm looking for all the time is that spark. And sometimes clients come at first, and they're a little numb, and they're not even sure what's missing. And we really go diving, yeah. and we figure that out. And then when I see that spark, that's where I follow it, and then... It's not that I'm doing the work, I'm helping them strengthen that spark and telling them, don't share this great idea that's so exciting to you with people yet yes. until it gets stronger. And yes. what happens is through the weeks when they start following those action steps yeah. and they start getting on the path, they see their own evidence of how things line up. So they get their own validation and then they're, they, that part of them is stronger and stronger. Right. That's what I love. And guess what? It's not a, you have it all the time and it's there forever. It's a practice. So there's always a strengthening that happens that you can be more and more connected and in the flow and much more of the time than we realize. It's not just a happen. It's something that happens by accident or you get glimpses of that place where everything is working out and you just feel that you're in the right place at the right time. Right. That can be on purpose. That's Mary Ellen O'Brien, who will co-host a one-day retreat with me in Cold Spring, June 11th. Join us. We all have oceans to cross. Let's do it together. Find more information at caseyradio.com. Now meet Alicia Simpson. She's a yoga teacher who helps young women who have been through trauma cross over to a place of peace and healing. Gender-specific trauma-informed is the new phrase Alicia taught me, meaning in this case, a framework to healing for girls who have been violated or traumatized. Alicia's crossover yoga project needs volunteers and fundraisers and more people to understand just what this program is all about. Each two-hour class allows young women to gently move through their issues with yoga and relaxation, art and conversation, being empowered to recover their self-esteem first. It's a practice. And with that yoga practice, we start to explore those topics we talk about. And then if you're familiar with yoga, there's a section at the end, which we call Shavasana, when you rest, and we transition to an art activity. And people who are affected by trauma, usually words aren't the first thing that they can grasp onto. And what we do with the art activity, from writing poetry to painting to creating necklaces or what we call them malas or empowerment bracelets, they have this opportunity to express 
what's been holding on inside. And when you move through a yoga class, a lot of stuff comes up. So they have this opportunity to express, without necessarily having to use words, what was going on and put it out in an art expression. And always with an empowerment session at the end, we go around this thing called an empowerment circle. And one girl will say something positive about themselves, like, I am resilient. And then everyone in the class will look at them with all the most earnest love in their heart and say to them, you are resilient. And we go throughout the class like that. So it's a beautiful way to close a lot of things that come up and to also offer them an opportunity to have a space to feel safe. So you're working with specifically just girls who have been through a trauma? The Crossover Yoga Project specifically works with at-risk girls. I work with girls who have been sexually trafficked, girls who've been in and out of the foster care, who are in the juvenile detention system. And what we do is we go to these places where they are throughout Westchester called residential treatment programs. Sometimes they're in hospitals. Sometimes they're at secure detention centers. And we go and offer this program within those locations. Is this something that you do once a week? Are there regular schedules? They take the class once or do you have return patrons? This is a class that's usually put out throughout anywhere from 6 to 24 weeks and it goes throughout the whole sessions. I have a set group of people because it's a curriculum that's cumulative. The only way they're going to learn something is that they continue to come and become feel safer and safer to be able to talk about, you know, what's going on. So you stick with the same group of kids over and over and over time you really find some beautiful things when they learn how to gain some more resilience learn how to cope, learn how to control their impulses, and they really improve their self-esteem, and also their focus and concentration develops more. So it's like a yoga class and a group therapy class, right? When you hear the word therapy, and if you've been in and out of the system, it's not something you want to work with. Yeah, you don't want to call it therapy to the girls, but to the public to explain what you're doing, that's what it is, right? It's a trauma-informed method. So when I say this word trauma-informed, what we do is we try to help people kind of come to terms and connect to something that may have impacted them. When someone is affected by trauma, it's anything that overwhelms them, their nervous system, and it makes them unable to process something that's happening to them. And everybody has different levels of trauma. I mean, this could be something that you, you know, like when you go to the doctor's office, you get a shock and you kind of kind of sit back. Um, it could be something if you're in um, a war-torn society. It could be experience climate change. Um, if you're in the LBGTQ community, it's um, this over generations and generations of people ignoring and dismissing the HIV epidemic. So there's various, various levels of trauma, and there's not one that's better than the other. We're all affected in our own way, and we are all able to tell that. So when someone can tell that to you, instead of me saying, this is how you're going to fix it, what I like to do is offer them a positive resource like to offer them different methods in different ways and invite them to find the right way that's going to help them. So I don't like to use the word therapy because historically in the past, therapy is kind of more you kind of stick it into a certain box and try to give them certain methods in order to remedy the situation. And this is more of trying to offer a method of empowerment. So it's a way to offer a positive resource. So now that we understand what you do, what the Crossover Yoga Project is. How have you been accepted by these institutions and these places where where these girls are? I bet they're very happy to see you. Some are, some aren't. Really? <laughs> because, well, as you mentioned, therapy. 
So a lot of people are still focusing on therapeutic methods. It's been a very slow change to kind of grasp over. Finally, right now, it's actually, it's all the rage. Everybody wants to do trauma-informed, which is that word I keep throwing out, which is basically trying to empower somebody. And there's a lot of different methods which they're learning about that actually offer this opportunity to help people get better by empowering them first. A study just came out from Georgetown Law that actually supports, that's the very first of its kind, that actually supports trauma-informed yoga programs to help people in the mental and physical health um, series get better that, who are working with these girls who are in the justice system. So it's kind of nice to have some kind of science background right. saying that this is something you really, really need to do. You need to look at breathing. You lo- need to look at mindfulness. You need to look at yoga and we to empower these people in a positive method to see that, you know, this is really working. That's a great thing. Yeah. And you know how they say the issue is in your tissue? You know, we bury, yes. we bury trauma yes. and we carry it in our bodies. Exactly. So, you know, this is just such a brilliant and such a much more organic way. And, mm-hmm. and doesn't, when we talk about empowerment, doesn't that really start with self-esteem and self-love? Isn't that where it begins? Exactly. It totally does. But the thing is, the girls that I work with don't have that anymore. Because you think about some of these girls, what has happened to them. Um, Say they were sexually abused. They're not going to love their body anymore. They're not going to respect themselves anymore. They just think what they hear from other people. Think about someone in that position. What do you think they're hearing every day about themselves? Are they hearing how beautiful they are? Are they hearing how strong they are? Are they hearing how smart they are? Are they using their body to the best of their ability? Or are they using it for something else? I'm starting to get it. Because you can tell a young person over and over again, you're beautiful, you're fine, Mm -hmm. that doesn't define you. But until Mm -hmm. they get on the mat and move their body and stretch their body and accomplish something. Mm -hmm. And feel their strength. A lot of people don't feel their strengths. I I got chills. I got chills. (laughs) I got chills. All right. So this is brilliant, and you've been doing it for a while, and it seems like I'm sure we could spend so much time just talking about the amazing feedback you've gotten from young women and how you've seen them transform. But we've got a mission right now, and that's to get you some funding so we can help more women. So tell everybody how you can do that. Thank you. So there's two ways you can do this. On my website, if you check crossoveryogaproject.org, you can just donate. Or right now we're involved in the Community Thrives Grant, which is offered by USA Today. And if you go to actusatoday.com and you search for Crossover Yoga Project, you'll see my video. And if you vote for me every single day until May 12th, we'll get into the running for a $100,000 grant. Beautiful. Which would be phenomenal. It will help us bring these services. It will help me train the people that I work with and the professionals working with the kids so they know how to use these tools. Yeah. And you need volunteers? Always. And board members. I need everything you can pick up. People that want to do stuff, people that want to fundraise, people that want to start a, I mean, I want to do a fundraising dinner. I mean, there's so many things that I want to do, but, you know. You just you need more people to help you do that. Everyone wants to work with the girls, but it's it's a lot to do because I have to train them and they have to pass fingerprinting. But I'm always looking for help, even if it's just saying vote for Alicia every day till May twelfth. That's help. We could do a fundraising dinner. That's easy. And you can vote for the Crossover Yoga Project to win some money. Just go to crossoveryogaproject.org. There's a link right there. 
Hi, it's Casey. If you're listening to this on Sunday, May 7th, join me today for the Shine On Spring Expo. Shop for Mother's Day, get a little Reiki, a card reading. Join me at the Expo at Mount Carmel Hall in Verplank from 10 till 4. And we have our Shine On Retreat, June 11th. Come meet Mary Ellen O'Brien. She'll be at the Expo. All the details at CaseyRadio.com. Stay right here for our Thought for the Day. Do you ever wonder why some people seem to have it all? Well, I've discovered their secret. It all comes down to setting intentions, which is no more than thinking a certain thing on purpose. By doing that, you are creating a future event that draws you towards itself. I create my prosperous, healthy world on purpose now every day, and here's how you can, too. I call it the no-fail formula for everything. First, be clear about what you want and define it in terms that are positive and in the present tense. Setting an intention should feel good. Second, be certain that your intention will be carried out. Have faith and let it go. Third, repeat your intentions daily with focus and attention. Convince yourself. Fourth, when you notice how things begin to move in your direction, focus on your success. And finally, take action when you feel drawn towards something. An intention pulls you towards your future goal and may come in the form of an idea or a spontaneous desire to do something. So make setting intentions a part of your daily life and have it all. You can purchase a copy of the Live and Learn Guide to Mapping Your Destiny, How to Use the Amazing Power of Intention, at www.liveandlearnguides.com. A hundred years ago, there were a hundred thousand tigers in the wild. Today, there are as few as 3,200. The Earth's wild animals can't speak up when they need help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. Hi, this is Fran Capo, adventurer, comedian, and author of Hope Fill the City of Light, which gives the 44 secrets to happiness. Here's one of those secrets. We know the people we love, but we don't always tell them. Starting today, I want you to say I love you to all the important people in your life daily. It feels good for you and the other person. It's amazing how easily we could take things for granted. Ah, they know I love them. I'm sure they do, but it's really nice to hear. Think of it this way. Just like you need water to exist on a daily basis, think of those words as watering the soul. Then I want you to take it one step further and do the hardest thing. The most important thing, look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself that you love you. It's not conceited, it's confidence. If people did this one simple thing, less people would have issues with self-esteem and the world would be a happier place, filled with lighter energy. Now, I'm not suggesting you do this in the bathroom at work or in an elevator that's crowded, but from now on in the morning, give yourself a wink or just say it. I dare you. Come on, right now, if no one's looking, grab your arm and kiss it. Mm, I love you, I love you, I love you. Mm. I know you may feel silly, but but really, trust me, it'll help. This is Fran Kappel, the world's fastest talking woman, and I always make sure I slow down to let the special people in my life know I love them and take the time to love myself. To learn more about Hopeville, check out FranCapo.com. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for shining on today. Hope to see you later at the Shine On Expo. Our thought for the day comes from Thomas Edison, who said, when you've exhausted all the possibilities, remember this. You haven't. Have a great week. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show with Casey, an Ella's Leash production. 
The content of Shine On, the health and happiness show, is intended for general information purposes only. You can listen to previously broadcast shows online at kcradio.com. Join Casey for another edition of Shine On, the health and happiness show, next Sunday morning from 100.7 WHUD.